I want to talk about this topic. I want to talk about grief. Amen. I want to talk about grief because what grief is like, grief is like a freight train. Um, how many have ever seen the movie uh, Unstoppable with Denzel Washington? Yeah. That, that, that intense movie. Well, in that movie, for those who have not seen it, in that movie, Denzel Washington, he's taxed to stop this freight train that has lost control. That's why the movie is called Unstoppable. This freight train has lost all control. And in the movie, you know, there's multiple scenes where this freight train is it's destroying towns. It's ripping through all barricades they set up. It's like causing complete uh, just rampage. It's just havoc everywhere this train goes. It's causing so much damage. And this picture that I'm describing in that movie, this is what grief does when it's not controlled. Grief will destroy you. It will destroy your relationships. It will destroy your attitude. It will, it will do complete havoc and wreckage to everybody you come in contact with when it's not controlled. Amen. Grief is defined as this, is the pain of mind produced by loss. The pain of mind produced by loss. And because we are humans and we live here on this natural planet, Every single person that is listening to my voice will deal with loss. We will lose a loved one, we'll lose a friend, we'll lose a family member, we'll lose a, 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 even maybe a spouse. Every single person in here will deal with loss. And since every person in here will deal with loss, we can extend to say that everybody in here at some point, some moment in their life will deal with grief. And that's the paradox that I want to just touch on. That's the, that's the paradox right here as believers because that we have such hard time grasping to because here's what we as believers go through and the thoughts that funnel through our mind is how can a good God allow me to go through such pain? How can a God that's so good, he's so amazing, he's so loving, he's so gentle, he's so kind, how can he allow me to go through so much pain and so much hurt? How can you say that? If everybody's going to go through loss, if everybody's going to go through grief, how can God allow that to happen to me? Third John chapter two, I mean, third John chapter one, verse two in the New King James Version. It says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Listen to the heart of God in this verse. The heart of God is, says this, I pray, I will, I wish above all things. He says this, that it's my heart's desire, it is my mission that you prosper in every area of your life, spiritually, physically, and financially. And this is why we see the heart of God not just here in 3 John 2, but we see the heart of God in Isaiah 61. And he tells us, he shows us through the prophet Isaiah, his heart for you concerning your soul prosperity, concerning your emotions, concerning your mind, concerning your will. And he's speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and he says, I'm speaking to the church that is mourning. And he says, because my heart is not for you to stay in this mourning or stay in this grief, I'm going to give you something in exchange for the way you're feeling. Because it's not my will that you stay in mourning. It's not my will that you stay in grief. So instead of your mourning, I'm going to give you this comfort. And then he says, but I, 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 I can't just, I'm not going to just comfort you. I'm going to console you. He says, I'm going to give you the oil of joy. 
for sadness. He says, and then I'm going to put a garment of praise on you. I'm going to take off that spirit of heaviness because a spirit of heaviness is this weight. It's this, this, this weight, this weighty feeling, this grief, this mourning, this weighty feeling that's on me. Here's the heart of God once again showing us that instead of that weight of heaviness, I'm going to put a garment on you. I'm going to put in this garment is a garment of praise. Because it's my will for you to prosper, specifically in this area of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Another word for prosper is to thrive. God wants you to thrive in your mind. God wants you to thrive in your emotions. And this, I'm saying all of this, and this right here, all that I just said is why when we go through grief, it's so hard as a believer. Because, Pastor, you just say he's going to give me oil of joy. You say he's going to give me a garment of praise. You say this God wants me to thrive. But if he wants me to do all that, why am I going through it? Why am I experiencing this if you say this is his will? Once again, the, the definition of grief is the pain of mind produced by loss. And that right there, the pain of mind that right there, the pain of mind, I'm going to say it again, that right there, the pain that is in my mind, that pain that strikes my mind, it affects my heart. And when it affects my heart, it affects my body. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't go through the day because all of this pain is striking me, hitting me right here in my mind. That right there is not God's will for your life. That is not God's will for your life. That grief is not God's will for your life. But pastor, you just said everybody experiences loss. And you said if everybody experiences loss, then we can say everybody experiences grief. Yes, that is true, but there's another side of grief that we're going to talk about today. And the grief that I want to talk to you about is this, good grief. So I'm going to say good grief. Come on, say it again. Say good grief. Oh, glory to God. Once again, this, the, the definition of grief, according to Webster's Dictionary, is the pain of mind produced by loss, I want to put, define this statement of good grief. This good grief is, def is defined as this, the hope of mind produced by loss. Oh, Jesus. Grief, according to Webster's Dictionary, is defined as the pain of mind produced by loss. I'm here to put a new definition on grief. I'm here to put God's will for grief on your life. When you're in grief, this is God's will for your grief. It's this, the hope of mind produced by loss. See, the difference between good grief and bad grief is the difference between the freight train controlled and uncontrolled. Say that again. The difference between good grief and bad grief is the difference between that freight train that's controlled and uncontrolled. Because think about it. If you go back to that movie or that scene, or if you've never seen it, just think of a freight train. The train is going to go no matter what. It's going to move no matter what. It's going to drive no matter what. The only difference of the damage is if this train is controlled. The reason that made that movie so aggressive and so intense and so much action is because the train lost what? Control. If the train had control, it would, do, it would, it would serve its purpose. And so the difference between good grief and bad grief is, is we can give the same image of this freight train that's controlled or uncontrolled. And the same is with grief. We can't control grief. 
by having good grief. And having good grief is all done by this word called hope. Somebody say hope. hope. Come on, say it again. Say hope. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 in the Passion Translation. The scripture says, beloved brothers and sisters, we want you to be quite certain about the truth concerning those who have passed away so that you won't be overwhelmed with grief like many others who have no hope. What do we see here in this verse? We see that once again, here's Paul. He's talking to this group of people, to this, to this collection of brothers and sisters. We can say it. Let's tag a word. So he's talking to this church that has clearly experienced loss. And he tells them once again, hey, he, we see in this verse that, we, that, that loss is going to happen. He's telling us that, yo, everybody, brothers and sisters, you are going to at some point in your time experience losing someone. You're going to experience that. You're going to experience some of a loved one passing away. And Paul tells us that dealing with this loss, naturally in the scripture we say, we see what it produces, what? Grief. Because we're natural beings. So naturally, you're, it's going, grief is going to arise. It's going to happen. And he tells us the potential of grief. He says this, that, that it won't be what? Overwhelmed. He tells us that grief will happen. He tells us that loss will happen. And he also warns us of the potential of grief, that grief can be overwhelming. To the point where you can't even, you, you, it takes so much for you to get through the day. It takes so much for you to go to sleep, to wake up, to eat. Grief can get, if, if it's uncontrolled, it can get to the point where it's, oh, what is overwhelming me? It's too much. Raise your hand. How many exercised before? It was just one time in your whole life. <laughs> just one time. <laughs> All y'all done been to PE before. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but you've been to PE before. <laughs> well, you know, in weight training, um, I would like to work out. And um, in college, we always have these days where it's called max out days. And um, the purpose of it intentionally was to put a lot of weight to see how far you can push. And it's been times when, you know, the coach will put some weight on me and I'll try, I get it up, I, you know, on the bench press, everybody familiar with the bench press, you're laying down, but you, get, you know, so I can get it up. But once I push it down, I can't get it back up. Another depiction, a word for that is this word called overwhelmed. The weight is heavier than what I can push. The weight is bigger than what I can push. The weight is larger than what I can move. And so I'm overwhelmed by this weight that is on me. And Paul is telling him this is the potential of grief. When it goes uncontrolled, it can overwhelm you. It can overwhelm you. But he tells us something also in this verse. He says, we want you to be what? Quite certain about what? The truth. If Paul is telling us there's a truth out there, he's also on the other side telling there's a lie out there. Jesus. If there is a truth, that also means that there is what? A lie. And it's only one person in this realm that tells lies that it ain't God. So if I'm not living in a truth, that means I'm living in what? And I said again, there's only one person in this realm that can produce a lie, and it's Satan. And so here is Satan feeding us with lies, telling us that when I go through loss, I have to be overwhelmed with grief. Jesus. 
Paul says, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that you won't be overwhelmed. But here's this lie that I have and I live through when I go through that I have to, that when I go through laws, this grief, it has to overwhelm me. He says, we want you, we want, we want you to be quite certain about the truth. See, there's a truth about loss. Amen. There's a truth to loss. There's a truth to grief. And what this truth produces is hope. Somebody say hope. I'm going to say that statement again. There's a truth about loss. There's a truth about grief. And what this truth produces is hope. What hope is to grief is what breaks are to that freight train. What hope is to grief is what breaks are to that freight train. Just when it starts to look like that, this freight train is getting out of control, what do I do? Press the brakes. Let's take a car, for example. Just when my car is going a little too fast, what do I need to do? Press the brakes. Every vehicle, every motorcade, if any type of transportation, not only do they have a brake, they have this thing called what? An emergency brake. Where I use it in case of what? Emergency. And when my car, my mode of transportation starts getting out of my control, there is a device that is already put on the inside of me that all I got to do is pull it. And when I pull it, guess what? It what? Stops. Lodge on the inside of you, glory to God, is a tool called hope. He has put hope on the inside of every single one of you. So when my emotions start getting out of control, when my mind starts going erratic, I start having crazy thoughts. I start having crazy dreams. I can't control my thoughts. I can't control my tears. I can't control my anger. I can't control my sadness. What, I, what hope does is it's my emergency break. I just kick it in. Jesus. Somebody say, I have hope. Prophesy to somebody else, say, you have hope. Hope is the breaks to my emotions. Oh, glory to God. Hope is the breaks to my emotions. To my emotions. Somebody say, I have hope. The Greek word for hope, um, is this word uh, elpis? I'm probably saying it wrong. It's E L P I S. Um, and this this word means this: number one, favorable and confident expectation. Hope. Favorable and confident expectation. What does this mean, Pastor? Well, it means I expect, and I'm confident in my expectation that it's going to work out in my favor. Hope. I expect and I'm confident in my expectation that what I'm going through is going to work out in my favor. Hope. This is how I have good grief that I have hope of mine. I have hope in my mind. I have this favorable and confident expectation that even though my heart is breaking, even though tears are coming down my eyes, here's my favorable and confident expectation. Even though my heart hurts, even though my mind hurts, I still have hope that this right here, it is going to work out for my favor. Amen. Jesus. 
It is a favorable and confident expectation. I expect for this to work out in my favor. I expect and I'm confident in my expectation that this right here, this pain, this hurt, this sorrow, this it will work out in my favor. Somebody say, I have hope. Another definition of hope, according to W.E. Vines, is the happy anticipation of good. The happy anticipation of good. I have a happy anticipation of good the moment I walk through the doors of Chipotle. I don't know about you. Chick-fil-A, okay, chicken, the holy ground, God's, God's bread, manna, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I have happy anticipation. I know that bowl is going to be good. <laughs> when I walk through the doors of go to corral and you just wait in that line just like this with, the, with, your, with your tray and your drink. <laughs> You haven't got there yet. <laughs> you just swiped your car. You said, I want a Sprite. Give me my silverware. Give me my plate. I find my seat myself. In that moment, I haven't put a fried chicken in my mouth. I haven't put the honey bun in my mouth. I haven't put the bread pudding in my mouth. I haven't put the steak in my mouth. But even though I haven't got there yet, I have happy anticipation of what? Good. This food is going to be good for me, and guess what? And I will be what? Happy. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. I have a happy, I know I anticipate. It is going to be, I'm not, the, I'm not there yet. I, I, I'm not there yet, but there's an anticipation that at the end of my meal, I'm going to be happy. Oh, Jesus. I'm about to high five at the angel that is in here. Did you get that? I'm not there yet, but I anticipate at the end of it, I will be what? Happy. Hope is the happy anticipation of good. So when I'm in grief, what is good grief? It's the happy anticipation of good. That's good grief. I know I, I know I lost a loved one, but I anticipate, baby. At the end of it, I'm going to be happy. At the end of it, I'm not there yet. I'm not trying to fool you. I'm not there yet. But while I'm right here, I anticipate. I am going to be happy. Oh, Jesus, somebody say, I'm happy. Prophet of somebody say, you're going to be happy. It is the happy anticipation of good is going to end up good and at the end result I will feel happy happy is an emotion that's the difference between joy and happiness because happiness is an emotion it's motion it comes and goes it flows with the environment it flows with your thought life it flows with your mind it flows with you're going through that's why it's the difference the distinct difference than joy is it flows. It's an emotion. And so here's this mo so right now I'm not there yet in this mo in this emotion of happiness. I'm not there yet. But I anticipate. Jesus. I anticipate that when I I, I, I see, I ain't there, but I see it. I see the light at the end of my tunnel. I see myself smiling. I see myself going out again. I see myself laughing again. I see myself going on trips again. I see myself going on dates again. I see myself getting married again. I see myself walking down the aisle again. I see myself having some more babies if I want to have babies. I see myself adopting kids if I want to adopt some kids. I know I, I'm not there, but I anticipate, baby, I will be happy. 
the happy anticipation of good. Something good is going to happen to me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, something good is going to happen to me. Somebody, come on, say that. Say something good is going to happen to me. Oh, Lord Jesus, that's hope. Now you see how that can just put the brakes on your emotions. I'm not here trying to speak a, a, a false lie to you. I'm not saying, I, I'm not, you, you, it, it's going to be moments of sadness and all of that, but there's an emergency break <laughs> that I can pull whenever I feel like my emotions are out of my control. Yeah. I hope, somebody say, I have hope. I have hope. Oh, glory to God. You have hope. Bill Johnson defines um, this as, he says, a faith-filled moment of joyful anticipation. I love how Bill Johnson says, he says, a faith-filled moment. A faith-filled moment of joyful anticipation. And if you go back to that car that is losing out of control, it's just a, a moment. Just one moment. Just one moment I pull that brake. Just one decision. One movement. I pull the brake. And so once again, we, we are going to experience times in our lives of loss of loved ones, relationships, friendships, jobs. We're going to lose things, but when my emotions are out of control, and in that moment of uncontrolled, God gives us control when I just pull my brake. Somebody said, I have hope. hope. W.E. Vines, he defines hope as this. He says, it is an anchor of the soul. Hope is an anchor of the soul. Well, what happens when you want a boat to gain control? For all those who ever rode in a boat or drive a boat or know about a boat, what is, every boat is equipped with what? An anchor. And the purpose of this anchor is when I want to gain control. Here's another word for control, stability. And when I want to gain stability, you know when a boat, a boat if, if, you just, if you just leave a boat idle, it'll do this word called drift. And drifting is dangerous. Because if you're not paying attention, you are, you just, you, yeah, that's right, that's, you just, you not, if you're not paying attention, your boat will suddenly just inch, 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 inch. You're not paying attention, inch, inch, by inch, by inch, by inch, by inch, by inch, by inch. I'm, 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 and then you look up and you say, my God. How did I get all the way on? You drifted. And that drift is dangerous. And they, they, they equip every boat with this anchor to prevent you from drifting. And just like our emotions, this boat, we are equipped with an anchor. It is the anchor of our soul. It's our soul, our mind, will, emotion. Hope is the anchor of your mind. Hope is the anchor of your emotions. And so to ensure that I don't drift to, into depression. I told you it's a family meeting. So I don't drift into depression. I have this anchor that I can drop. <laughs> because if you ever got, got delivered out of depression, you realize once you wake up, once you get out, you say, I don't know how I even got to this place. Drifted. So I don't drift into, into low self-esteem. 
I want to talk about uh, maybe losing a, a loved one, maybe not even death, but in a marriage, in a relationship. You think it's your fault. I wasn't beautiful enough. I didn't treat them better enough. I, I, I thought it was all me, all me. And because of that loss, now I have this low self-esteem. It's just drifting and drifting and drifting. But every hope is the anchor of your soul. And so, so, so to ensure that I don't drift, let me drop my anchor. And the thing about the anchor is where you drop that sucker is where, it's going, where your boat going to stay. It's amazing. I wish I had a picture of a cruise ship because a cruise ship is huge and the anchor is, is, is so small. But that little, oh Jesus, that little small anchor keeps that big cruise ship exactly where it's at. You ain't moving. And here's another thing, no matter how hard the waves hit that boat, guess what? The boat ain't moving. The, the waves can hit. The waves can crash. That boat ain't moving. Y'all been on a, on a vacation before and see all the cruise ships lined up on the dock. It's amazing that these huge cruise ships aren't moving from a little anchor. Right where I drop my anchor is where I'm staying. And so what you need to do when to, 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 you need to drop your anchor right where you are so I don't drift any further. But well, hear the voice of God that you are going to have moments that you have to drop an anchor. <laughs> I'm not up here trying to just speak some just, just this fairy tale and dusty and, and butterflies type of thing. I want to be real with you. There are going to be moments where you have to drop an anchor, but that's why God gave you an anchor. Yeah. Jesus says, in this world there will be tribulation. Yeah. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So guess what? You will be in tribulations, but even when I'm in tribulation, I got an anchor, and all I got to do is drop my anchor, and when I drop my anchor, no matter what waves come my way, no matter what hell comes my way, no matter what loss I experience, no matter what grief I go through, guess what hell? I'm dropping my anchor. Oh, Jesus. Somebody say, I have hope. Oh, yadabasa. Paul calls this, he says this in, in, in a letter, writing to a church, he says this, he's in the middle of a jail, in a jail cell. They don't lock Paul up. Picture it, he's in chains, he's in shackles. And jails back then ain't as nice like the jails they got here. And they hated this man, Paul. He was, he was just doing his, ah, thank you for his Holy Spirit. He was just doing the will of God and gets locked up after being beat. And this is why grief hits believers at a larger degree than unbelievers because for us, we believe in God. We believe in healing. I prayed for my loved one. I spoke in tongues. I laid hands. I confessed. I, I did all these things. And so I, I'm doing the will of God. So why am I in this jail cell? Paul is in this jail cell, but he's a prisoner, but he writes and tells the church, I, I'm not Rome's prisoner. He says, I'm a prisoner of hope. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he says, I'm a prisoner of hope. I am a prisoner of hope. What is a prisoner? A prisoner is somebody who was confined by something else. A prisoner is somebody who is under the control of someone else. A prisoner is somebody who's locked in a cage and... It, 
I, I can't get out of the cage unless somebody lets me out. A prisoner is somebody who somebody, they can't get in unless somebody gets let out. They're locked in this cage. And Paul says, I am a prisoner of hope. I, I am under the control of hope. Hope has me chained up. No, I don't care what it looks like. Guess what? Hope is my prison. Jesus. Hope needs to be your prison when you're in a prison. Hope needs to be your jail when you're in jail. Hope needs to be the thing that you cling on to when you feel locked up. Paul says, I am a prisoner of hope. Also, when you're a prisoner, you look around, all you see is what the, the prison bars around you. You know, prison cells are they're, they're small for a reason. They're small, they're tiny, and it's like everywhere you go, left, right, up, down, all you see is the cell, or you're in a cell. Well, that's what Paul was saying is I'm in the small space where everything around me is hope. No matter what I feel like, oh, I'm in hope, baby. I have a happy anticipation of good. It's a small, intimate space with, with, with this hope that I, no matter what I feel, no matter what I go through, I guess what? I am a prisoner of this thing called hope. Some might say, I have hope. And here's why we can hope, because we have a home. Ah, I'm going to say this again. Here's why we can have hope, because we have a home. And I'm here to tell you on this morning, there's no place like home. Oh, there's no place like home. I remember a few years ago, we, um, the family went out with uh, Pastor G for her birthday. We, we went on this luxury vacation to Dubai. It was just a flat out, just beautiful, beautiful vacation. And uh, it's a beautiful shit, just all around, just beautiful. And Pastor Brianna, um, once we got to the end, because a long vacation, and she got to the place, I just want to go home. I'm ready to get off this ship. <laughs> I'm ready to get in my own bed. Is <laughs> anybody like that on long vacation? Like, I just want to get to my own bed. I want to sit at my own table. I want to eat my own food. I could cook way better than this chef can. I want to get to my own couch. I want to watch my own TV. I want to have my own Wi-Fi. I want to go, what, home? Why? Because there's no place like home. Go back to this story. Here we are on this luxury, like kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime type of experience, just beautiful place. Right? We're beautiful, just luxurious place. But all the while, here's Pastor Brianna saying, I just want to go home. There ain't no blue waters. Y'all ain't nothing blue water around the DMV. <laughs> ain't nothing blue about this water. <laughs> ain't, ain't no sand dunes. Ain't no can. Ain't none of that around here. But all the while she's saying, I just want to go what? Home. Because there's no place like home. Here we are on this earth. It's beautiful. It's amazing. We have some great times on this earth. But there's still no place. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> There's still no place like home. Oh, Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. In the Amplified Classic, Paul, once again, he says, But we are citizens of the state, commonwealth, homeland, which is where? In heaven. He says we are citizens. He calls it a state of commonwealth, and he says it's a homeland. And he tells us where it's at. He says, it's in where? Heaven. Heaven is your home. Some must say, heaven is my home. Heaven is your home. And I know you've been on this earth for a long time. 
just like a vacation, you may be on a vacation. You know, people really take like month long vacations. They like they do that. It's it's a real thing. I read an article about this couple who they live their life on a cruise ship. They are reti- they retired and instead of paying for rent, they live on a cruise ship and just go all around the world. That's like they just use their rent money or mortgage and just have the same room. And so when you do that, let's take that couple for example. When you do that, you get to a place that you forget where your home is. I forgot on what, what street I lived on. I forgot what's the what's the code? What's the passcode? What's the alarm? What's the alarm code? Baby, you know the code because I forgot it. What's the how I get there? What's the the left street or the right street? Because when you get, go somewhere for a long period of time, you can tend to forget home. Paul is telling us that your home, your homeland, your citizenship, it is in heaven, even though you're here on this earth. Somebody say, I have a home. Heaven is our true home, and here's how we can have hope in the time of loss. It's in this moment of grief, it's knowing that death is not the end. Oh, glory. I'm going to say this again. Here's how I can have hope. Here's how I can have good grief. Is knowing that death is not the end. Death is not the end. The grave is not how the story ends. The, the grave, the casket is not how the story ends. It is not the period to my life sentence. It's just a comma. Because the story of my life, the story of my loved one, the story of my friend, the story of my spouse, the story of my, uh, 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 of my BFF, my family member, my covenant partner, their story, is it didn't end right there. It's still going on up there in home. Jesus. And when I have that, this, this, this mentality, it gives me what? Hope. Jesus. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. He says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave. <laughs> Where is thy victory? Ha, shababa. Have y'all ever been in a fight before? <laughs> ever been in a fight before? And, you know, usually they determine the, uh, the winner of the fight by who had the last hit. Or how we say, I know about y'all, it's the last what? Lick. Who got the last lick in the fight? That, whoever got the last lick in the fight, who got the last hit on the fight, they determine that's the winner. Here's the fate of Paul. Jesus. <laughs> he is looking at death face to face. He's looking at a grave face to face. And he says, guess what? You don't get the last lick of this fight. You don't get the last hit of this fight. You hit me hard, but it's not the last. Jesus. It's not the last hit. He's looking at death. He's looking at the grave. And he says, death, where you hit at? Jesus. Death, where's your head at? <laughs> Death, where's your head at? He says, Grave, I thought you thought you won. <laughs> he told the see, see, I'm trying to tell you that's what the that's what the grave thinks they win. <laughs> Here's Paul talking to a grave and says, Where is your victory? Well, Paul had an attitude, y'all. Paul was Paul was the man, y'all. I'm trying to tell you. He was, I, I can't say that in here. <laughs> y'all know what I was going to say. <laughs> I can't say that across the pulpit. But he was him. He, that was him. How bold, how audacious, how 
crazy how full of hope can you look at death and say, where's your sting? How bold, how courageous, how audacious can you look at the grave and say, where is your victory? It's because he knew where his victory was at. When I, know, when I know where my victory is at, I can speak to the grave. I can speak to the death. I can speak to my grief and say, where's your victory? I know where my victory is. It's in the hands of Jesus. Jesus is my victory. He's overcome the world. All victory is in his hands. It's in the hole that was in his left hand. It's the hole that was in his right hand. It was the hole that is in his foot. It's the hole in another. Do you need a sign of the victory? And the hole was on his head. The, the, the victory is, oh, was on his back. Every stripe was on his back. The victory, you want another sign? The grave was empty. And then he folded. He said, let me leave a sign. Jesus. Woohoo! Here's Jesus on the day of resurrection. He says, I ain't going to leave the tombs in any type of way. I need to leave a sign to let them know death ain't getting no sting out of me. I don't want to leave a sign to let them know that, that this grave, this tomb, ain't got no victory over me. I'm going to take this same garment, I'm going to fold it up, and I'm going to put it where I used to be. Because I need to leave a sign to let all of hell know. I need to leave a sign to let, to, to let all death know. I need to leave a sign to the grave that they win this fight Isaiah tells him I'm giving you another I'm giving give you a garment a garment is a sign. A garment is something you put on you that, uh, that people looking at you can see that you have on you. I believe that the same garment that Jesus folded up, it's a garment, it's a sign to let the everybody know that even though I'm in this situation, I got a praise on my mouth. Why? Because I have hope. <laughs> grave is, the grave is not going to win this battle. Death is not going to win this fight because the victory is in Jesus. So do you see how having this mindset gives you hope? You see how this thought pattern gives you hope? You know, once again, the definition of grief is the pain of mind produced by loss. Here's how I have good grief. It's the hope of mind. When I have hope in my mind, still produced by the same thing. Oh, my God. You, I, I'm going to say it again so you get it. It both thing is good grief bad grief is both produced by the same thing what loss but the factor that changes between pain and hope is right here in my mind still produced by loss I went through loss I experienced loss I'm experiencing loss but I choose to have hope some I say I have hope oh glory to God ah Jesus I have hope and the here's how we have hope it's knowing that I have a home. And not that just you have a home. My loved one has a home. Because the moment, this, see, that's why I said the victory is in Jesus, because the moment he rose from the dead, that's the moment I got my victory. The moment I made Jesus the Lord of my life, the moment that I got saved, that initiated me into my citizenship. That guaranteed me access into heaven. That guaranteed my white robe. That guaranteed my crown. That guaranteed me access into heaven. The moment I got saved, and so, the mo so guess what? That's why I have the victory, because I'm going home. 
That's why my loved one that I lost, that's why I can have hope in them when I lose because they're going home. And it's this thought like that. And see, here's the thing about, it's about I, I, I hate saying the word losing a loved one because they're not lost. Because the word lost means you'll never see it again. You'll never talk to it again. You'll never touch it again. It's lost. It's, I'll never, ever, 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 ever see it, touch it, grab it, whatever, ever again. But when I have the mindset that I have a home, when I have the mindset that they have a home, it's not a loss because I know where they're at. And I know that one day I'm going to see them again. So I, I know that one day I will see that we're going to be together again. We're going to be laughing again. We're going to be eating again. We're going to be praising again. We're going to thought one day I'm going to see them again. You know what I want to call that? A long-distance relationship. How many have ever been in a long-distance relationship? If you've ever been in a long-distance relationship, you have that happy anticipation of good. You know that when I get there, oh, I'm going to be happy. Jesus. I, I know where they're at, and I'm not where they're at, but I know their location. And I know that one day <laughs> I'm going to get to them. <laughs> and when I get to them, <laughs> we're going to be happy. It's going to be like this, just as if we never left. <laughs> and so while we're on this earth, here's how I have good grief. I am in a long-distance relationship that even though they're not here with me, they just move locations. I don't know one day soon I am going to be with them, and it's going to be just as if they never left. How oh, glory to God. Two more verses. First, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Just rock with me for a little bit, amen. I told you this is a family meeting. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, the easy reading verse, and it says, we know that our body, <clears throat> the tent we live in here on earth will be destroyed. But when that happens, <laughs> Jesus, when that happens, God will have a what? Home for us to live in. It will not be the kind of home people build here. It will be a home in heaven that will continue forever. forever. So you have a home in heaven. And once again, there is no place like home. He tells us once again that every, yo, your body is good, is good. Death is going to happen. But when it happens, Jesus, God has another home for you in heaven. And this, this home is, in this home, there is no sickness. There's no disease. There's no sadness. There's no stress. There's no anxiety. There's no unforgiveness. There's no sin. There's no poverty. There, there, there is, there, there is just, it is, it is, it's a home that the streets are paved with gold. It's a home where, 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 where it's just, uh, gates are made of pearl. It's a home where God says, baby, it ain't no apartments. It ain't no condos for you. It's a mansion. It's a, this is home. There's no place like home. In John chapter 14, Jesus just broke the news to his disciples, his followers, and he says, I'm going home. <laughs> he says, I'm leaving you guys. And this, the, 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 the thought, the pain of, the, just the thought of them losing Jesus. Look what it called. Their heart to be what? Trouble. 
Jesus sees the troubling of their heart. Another way of saying that is what? Grief. Because here the disciples, it's been these years with Jesus, this fellowship, this time with him. And so now their heart is troubled. They're grieving because they think, I'm no longer going to be with you ever again. I'm losing something that was so precious to me. Jesus responds to that and he tells them, let not your heart be troubled. And look what he says. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Here's how I not let my heart be troubled. What? Believe. (laughs) Another word for that is this, hope. You hope in God, hope in me. Your heart is troubled. I see the grief you're in right now. But don't let that grief overwhelm you. If you believe in God, believe in me also. He was telling the disciples, pull your brake. Drop your anchor. Believe in God. Believe in me. And, he, and, and then he tells us, here's how, you, I, here's how you can believe. In my father's house are many mansions. <clears throat> if it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am. There you may be what? Also. That, oh my God y'all getting this that where I am you're not there yet but one day you will be there also so here's how Jesus was trying to get them to have hope Jesus was trying to get them to have good grief you know a lot of times and you can still use this like I say you have it is going to work out for your good God will work out any situation for your good but here's another way of going through the process of grief is that guess what I'm going to see them again like that like it's it's that, that, that's my good he says he's telling them, here's how you have hope here's how you believe in God and believe in me guess what I'm going to the, I'm, I'm building a mansion for you but I, I, that's awesome but here's Here's, the, here's what solidifies. Here's how I have good grief. Where I am, you will be also. Because my home is your home. Jesus. Last verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 in the Passion Translation. We go close right here. It says, As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. I'm going to just wrap this up with this um, example that this one pastor I don't know the pastor's name but I heard it and it was amazing he described this verse as a track race have you ever seen a track race or know of a track race or maybe you ever you may, may have been a, 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 a track star or maybe you even ran, ran track well in a track race you'll have one team you're on a team and the people in front of you they have their race And after your teammate runs their race, they don't leave the field. They don't don't leave that environment. They just go sit where? In the stands. 
they go sit in the stands because the game isn't over. Because the game isn't over, the match isn't over, the race isn't over, they don't leave, they just move. I hope you got that. They don't leave, they just what? Move. And so he continues on to say that when the runner, when the race, the runner in front of you goes and they're finished their race, they go to the stands and while they're in the stands, they're watching you and they're cheering you on. And they're cheering you on because now it's my time as the runner to get in place, to get down. I tie my shoes up. I get ready to take off. That's right. And you know, the thing about them sitting in the stands, you may, if it's a crowded stands, you may not see them. I'm going to let you see a lot of that. This thing about being in this, when you're on the track, on the racetrack, and the crowds are, is packed, you can't see them. But it's amazing that no matter where they are at in those stands, it's designed so that no matter, they can always see you. And here, they're encircling us, our loved ones. They have not left. They just moved. And they're in the stands of heaven. And they are cheering you on. They are rooting for you. They are saying, you go, girl. They're saying, you go, boy. They're saying, pick your head up. They're saying, you got this. They're saying, oh, yeah, great job. You better get that thing, girl. they say that's my baby. <laughs> that's my boy. They're cheering you. They're yelling. And if you listen close enough, See, the thing about me when I play football, I may not can always, if it's a big stands, I went to a small college, so the stands were really big. I mean, it's really packed. <laughs> but on those occasions where the stands were packed, I may be sometimes that I may not see my dad, but out of the noise of them all, if I just listen closely, I can hear him say, go Superman. And so in life, when I'm on the racetrack, if I just listen close enough, I can hear my loved one saying, you go, you got it. I'm so excited. You're amazing. You're beautiful. Keep running the race. Don't you give up. Keep running the race. Don't you quit. Keep running the race. You have an end goal. Keep running the race. I'm going to read the same verse in the, another translation, and we're going to pray. And Amplify, I mean, the message, it says, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, this is what it means. This is what it means when your loved one passes away. This is what this means. It means... We'd better, oh God, we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. Strip down. What am I stripping down? I'm stripping off that bad grief. 
I'm stripping off that depression. I'm stripping off that low self-esteem. I'm stripping off that mourning. I'm stripping it off. I'm stripping it off. And guess what? Now I'm going to start running. I'm going to start running. God has deemed this year for you in this ministry as the year of impact. God has God has a place of generational impact. It is a moment. God has a moment, a destiny, a purpose for everybody underneath the sound of my voice. And when you get to that place, here's the outcome. It will be generational impact. It will be one moment that won't just impact you, but it will be one moment that will impact your kids, your kids' kids, and your kids' kids. A generational impact impact is going to happen at the end but if I'm going to get there I gotta let me tie my shoes I, 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 I may be down but guess what when the moment that gun goes baby I'm going and I'm telling you God is about to pull the trigger over your destiny God is about to pull the trigger over your life despite your age despite your background God is about to pull the trigger but if you go to run baby you gotta tie your shoes and here's how I run. Here's how I go. I have good grief. I know that it's, I, I, I'm, I'm, I may miss them. <laughs> but I just got to look to the stands. In the Old Testament, it says, I look to the hills. Which forth my help comes from. Habakkuk says, you got to be a watchman on the wall. And you got to know that I'm looking up to the stands. And if I listen closely, I can hear them screaming my name. And that right there gives me the hope. It gives me the anchor. It gives me the brakes to tie my shoes and go. So here's what God is saying to you, and I'm robbing it from Pastor Regina Banks. Ready, set, go. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise in this place. Come on, I want y'all to let, let, let's let the stands hear us. Let, let's let the pioneers hear us. I want you to just give a shout of praise. I want every angel in heaven. I want every loved one you ever lost. I want every friend you lost. I want every family member you lost. I want every covenant party you lost to hear your shout of victory. 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 So, Heavenly Father, oh God, we just said, Abba, Abba, Saka. God, we just thank you. God, we, we, our shoelaces are already tied. I'm speaking that now. And God, we hear the sound of that gun shooting in the air. And God, we about to run this race. We're going to run this race for my kids. We're going to run this race for my grandkids. I'm a, we're going to run this race for our brother. I'm going to run this race for my, my, my sister. I'm going to run this race for my mama. I'm going to run this race for my daddy. I'm going to run this race for my friend. I'm going to run this race. And I ain't giving up. We're going to run this race. And we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. We will see every promise you've made. We will see every prophetic word that has been spoken. God, we choose to run. So, Father, oh God, I just have a simple prayer for your people. 
I pray, oh God, that you will console them like you consoled Zion in their time of mourning. I pray that you will give them comfort in their time of grief. I pray, Father, oh God, that you will do a great exchange for every single one of them, that you will give them the oil of joy. That's good, God. What's the oil of joy? I'm going to let y'all know what the oil of joy is. The oil of joy, see, he says oil of joy, not just joy. Because if I have the oil for it, if I lose it, I can produce it again. <laughs> oh, you missed it. He says, I want to give you the oil of joy. Why is it an oil? Because if I lose it, guess what? I can produce it and produce it and produce it and God is saying that you that you heard this word but another, you might have another moment but I gave you the oil for it and so just produce the joy again just produce produce it God I speak that over their life that they will produce the oil of joy for sadness and lastly God I want to pray over them that you will exchange their garment of grief take it off of them Exchange that garment of depression, take it off of them. Exchange that garment of sadness, take it off of them. Here's another one. Are y'all ready for it? The garment of guilt. Because maybe you didn't get to say what you wanted to say. Because maybe you didn't get a chance to do what you wanted to do. God, remove it. Remove that guilt. And in exchange, God, give them the garment of praise. Place praise on their mind. Place praise on their lips. Place praise on their hearts, God. We thank you for the great exchange that is with you. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody in this place, shout amen. amen. Hallelujah.